Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 165. This week, Ellie talks to Catherine Flood, the curator of Food Bigger Than The Play, a fascinating interactive exhibition at London's v Museum. They chat about the quirkiest exhibits, including a plant that answers questions via computer, urban mushroom farms and cheese made using bacteria from the skin of celebrities. Hello, and today I'm here with Catherine Flood, curator of Food Bigger Than the Plate, a V&A exhibition that brings together the politics and pleasure of food to ask about how we can lead to a more sustainable, but just as delicious, future. So Catherine, can you give us an overview as to what you wanted the exhibition to achieve? I think our main aim was that we wanted to involve people in um, the debates around the future of food, um, which just feels really important right now. And we're living in an era of climate crisis, fast changing societies, um, new technologies with kind of incredible um, potentials. And now is a really important moment, I think, to ask not just what are we going to be eating tomorrow, but what kind of um, food future do we want? Um, So we really wanted to, um, as I said, involve people in those debates, um, encourage people to connect with food in new ways, and, and to really feel like they have a stake in the future of food. It's not just something that's going to be decided for us yeah um so how how is the exhibition split up the exhibition takes visitors on a journey um through a food cycle in in four sections um starting with composting and then farming trading and finishing with the kind of finale of eating so we we start with waste yeah Um, (laughs) always good yes in fact we start with human waste as a um as a strong intro a toilet 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 project is one of the Ah. one of the first things you see um but it was very important, I think, to um, to get across the idea of it being a cycle to start with something we would normally think of as the end. Yeah. Um, but to get across that idea that if you're a, um, a consumer, you're also a producer yes. of various kinds of waste. We've got very used to thinking of ourselves um, when we eat as being in the end point in a chain of consumption, whereas actually we're part mm. of a, a metabolic cycle. Yeah, it's just a full circle, yes. really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so how how long was the planning process? Because there's so many different mm. elements. It's such an interactive, immersive exhibition. I can imagine it took a long time to bring everything together. Yes, I mean, I think the sort of first started thinking and talking about it maybe around four years ago, and oh, then wow. actually working on it has been a sort of a three-year um, process and um, with a big team of people. Was there <laughs> um, something that kind of spiked... Was this something that made you think we should do this as an exhibition? 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, the V&A is a museum of art and design. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. sort of, some people's initial reaction to this show is like, well, what's it doing what? at the V&A? Um, but the reason um, and one of the kind of big inspirations for doing it was just seeing so many artists and designers mm. who were turning to food as subject matter and material um, and working with it in ways that were asking the big questions, um, kind of generating ideas around the future of food. And, you know, quite simply, food's become the focus for huge amount of um, creative energy um, yeah. we wanted to, to showcase that and give it a platform um, it's also you know it's really interesting kind of experimental and very collaborative work generally um, I think one of the brilliant things about food as a kind of subject or a material is it doesn't stay in a neat professional box no it crosses over between yeah. arts and sciences and economy and psychology um so it kind of almost demands that people work in a sort of transdisciplinary way so we're finding designers who are working at a very deep level with scientists and chefs um artists collaborating with farmers um so it's it's a really great area to be looking at and the exhibition kind of combines all those things. So um, although it looks at the past, the focus is really on the future and takes people, like you say, on a sensory journey through the food, food cycle. So how did you find those designers, the chefs and the farmers to work with? I think um, so being a curator at an art and design museum, you kind of have the sort of luxury of um yeah. working a lot with um with young artists and designers and seeing degree shows and being involved in kind of art and design press um so as I say kind of um we just sort of saw a kind of critical mass of interesting work um bubbling up and then it was a process of just kind of digging deeper um people making suggestions sort of following up leads nice. um, um and so I think obviously I have seen a lot about the exhibition and there's some really quirky quirky sections of it what would you say is is one of the quirkiest around yes I mean I think uh some of the projects are very um practical in an immediate way and others are about kind of surprising us and changing mindsets getting us yeah. to think in new ways um I think one of my um favorite of the sort of quirkier projects is um something called Project Florence um, that allows you to talk to a plant um wow <laughs> you can type it a question and you actually get a reply back um, from um, the plant from the plant yes wow um, and this is actually based on new scientific research into how plants use electrical signals um to communicate um and the idea being that if we got better at listening into those we could potentially change farming practices and use less water or less pesticides because we'd be responding to the plant's actual needs at any one time um and so what um helena steiner um, has done who is a, um, a bio designer um, she worked um, with Microsoft and added a layer of um, natural language processing so you type wow. a question the computer program kind of picks up on the basic tone of that questions and then um, turns that into electrical signals and lights that are fired at the plant in the gallery wow. and then very sophisticated sensors and monitor how the plant responds reverse the process into text and you get an answer um, and if the plant's feeling a bit kind of thirsty or too humid or not feeling great then you do get a slightly um more annoyed response from it <laughs> that is incredible and i think that really shows that this isn't just your average 
exhibition this isn't somewhere where you're just going to walk around look at stuff and leave this is it's yeah fully you are interacting with everything aren't you really and it's reminding us about you know our kind of our role in the sort of system and and ways that we might you know interact with in this case with with plants differently um and there's you know a lot of farming technology um up until now has really been about how we control nature um and this project is kind of getting us to think about the fact that um you know, digital technologies might actually offer ways to work with the natural yes. world in new ways um so it's yeah the exhibition is very much about just sort of um getting us to think beyond obvious innovations and think really creatively and it's thinking about stuff that actually and then now it might sound completely out there but in the next few years this could be the norm this could be stuff we're doing every day couldn't it definitely wow. um and there's you know um and we're actually sort of seeing some of the ideas really take off. Um, another project is an edible water bottle okay. um, that uses um, alginate derived from seaweed in order to encase liquids um, oh. into sort of pouches. Um, you can either eat the whole thing or you can discard the casing and it will biodegrade, you know, in a few weeks, whereas yeah. it takes a plastic water bottle, you know, 500 years yeah. to, to disappear. And um, when we first started the exhibition, um, this was being kind of developed by some um, designers from the Royal College of Art who were starting to work with scientists, but they took me into their student kitchen and showed me how they were making them. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, and now a few years later, they've just signed yeah. a contract with Just Eat to replace um, wow. some of their um, ketchup and condiment sachets. Um, so it's you know it's, wow. it's gone from something that was this really great idea to yeah to actually being in production yeah and it's so cutting edge in that way and topical like I, I guess especially four years ago the yeah. big plastic issue wasn't people weren't as aware of it were they four no. years ago and now it's perfect timing for things like this isn't it absolutely and I think um David Attenborough's yeah um, we've got him program <laughs> absolutely <laughs> So as well as um, objects from V&A collections, so there's food adverts, there's illustrations. Um, like we said, there's lots of interactive elements. And one that I'm really interested in is Grow Cycles Urban Mushroom Farm. Can you talk a bit about that? Yes. Um, so in our composting section, um, we look at lots of kind of amazing ideas for um, using the waste streams related to food, you know, whether that's human waste or agricultural waste, um, food waste, or all the different byproducts of eating and how um, waste can be used as a, as a resource and thinking in terms of sort of circular systems and nutrient loops. And so we were really thinking, well, how could we maybe do something that works with the waste streams within our own institution? Okay. Um, and then we we were sort of looking into that and found um, GrowCycle, who are specialists in growing um, delicious oyster mushrooms from um, used coffee grounds. Um, Amazing. And um, that's certainly a supply that we have plenty of. I think um, I think our visitors get through over a thousand cups of coffee a day. Oh, wow. um, and that's not even counting staff who need a lot of caffeine yeah, to keep going, keep going. <laughs> um and the thing with making coffee is that you only use a really small amount of the the biomass of the coffee bean and when you make coffee um the coffee grounds are still incredibly rich in nutrients yeah. and make a really great substrate for for growing mushrooms on yeah. um so what we've done is set up um an urban mushroom farm in the gallery yeah and that uses some of the coffee grounds derived from our cafe um and then um 
it takes about a couple of weeks to incubate and then we bring them into the gallery to fruit. Um, so in the exhibition, you can actually see the oh. oyster mushrooms growing. They're very beautiful. They come yeah. in kind of pinks and oh. yellows and ordinary mushroom colours. Um, and then um, the chefs from, from the V&A Cafe are coming in harvesting mushrooms oh. and serving it back to our visitors in, in dishes in the cafe. So the full cycle again. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we also, um, as well as kind of using waste stream, we were really interested in sort of showing some form of urban farming actually in action yes, um, yeah and again sort of thinking about what made sense for our building um, yes. and growing mushrooms off coffee grounds is a really smart form of urban farming because often you yeah. don't have access to good soil but the city has an abundance of of coffee grounds yeah. and, <laughs> absolutely and mushrooms taste better if you don't transport them far so okay. if, you're, if you're growing them local to where you're eating them um, so within the same building is yes. perfect. <laughs> so you, you win on all levels, including flavour. <laughs> wow. Stick around to hear more from Ellie and Catherine, including how they turned Heston Blumenthal's bacteria into cheese. It sounds a bit gross, but it's actually really fascinating. I'm guessing when you were planning this exhibition, did you kind of have to re-throw out the rules of how you'd normally curate an exhibition? And just actually think, right, this is what we want to do. How are we going to make that happen? Yeah, it's definitely a, a different kind of mm. exhibition for us. So that's really kind of sort of pushed us to think in new ways. And, you know, on a, on a practical level as well, yeah. um, working with growing things and organic yes, matter. Yeah. Um, normally, you know, we don't really welcome the idea of any kind of fungus <laughs> growing, growing <laughs> in the, the health museum. And safety, like, oh, God. <laughs> Yes, um, and we've you know we've we found ways obviously to do it really safely. So it's just, you know the mushroom farm is a sealed unit and it's mm. vented outside. So there's no spores getting into our historic tapestries or anything yeah. like that. Um, but also, I think um, you know food is a is a multi sensory subject, and you know museums are usually kind of very staunchly mm. visual environments. Um, so we, it was interesting to you know, be thinking of ways that we could you know involve um the other senses yeah. um the vna has the distinction of being the first museum in the world um to have had um refreshment rooms and oh, a really? cafe and serve visitors food um oh, when it opened in in 1857 yeah. um and it, that was a very different sort of social idea of what a museum could be yeah um that's obviously now become standard yes. everywhere yeah everywhere has a museum cafe yeah. <laughs> um but normally what goes on in the cafe um, and what goes on in the galleries remains very separate. So, yeah, um, no, we we use visual means to tell stories in the gallery, and we and we feed our visitors um, mm. in the cafe. So it was really interesting to um, to have a couple of points in the show where we allow visitors to taste. Okay, um, so we have a, a drinks bar by an amazing um, community enterprise called Company Drinks, who okay. um, forage um, for various sort of plants in in London. Um, in Barking and Dagenham and then turn those into amazing drinks. At the end of the exhibition, we have the Loki Food Lab um, and that's um, being created by a group called the Centre for Genomic Gastronomy okay. and they source 10 ingredients um, from what they call the bioregion that London sits in 
and then visitors are given 15 choices on a on a tablet about you know what could make a great food system so whether that's you know, local high tech um vegan wild so etc um and then you have to choose three and then the computer algorithm knocks out some of the ingredients based on those choices um so what you get back is a sort of bite-sized taste that reflects your oh, preferences for the, wow. for the future of food um so people are actually using kind of taste as a form of understanding and also an opportunity to tell us what they consider is important. Yeah, and what they want from the future of the Absolutely, and I think it's really key to say that the exhibition is not... Um, being didactic about what the future should look like no. and definitely not telling people what to eat um, but encouraging people to really get thinking about what they want yeah and just explore their own minds really when yes it comes to food yeah um and so eating of course is a big part mm. of the food chain mm. and one of the questions you asked is about the notions of taste um mm. with the with cheese being cultured from human bacteria so i think that's right yes. <laughs> so that sounds quite boundary pushing in terms of uh, a exhibition what what is that um so this is a a project by um, Christina Agapakis, um, a scientist in America, and Cecil Tolas, who's a, um, an artist who works with smell. Um, and they um, started making cheese using bacteria that sampled from human skin. And the bacteria um, on our skin is very, very similar to the bacteria that's traditionally used um, to make cheese. Um, it sounds a bit gross. <laughs> it does, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but there there is a really good reason for doing it. Um and it's all about um sort of challenging our sort of feelings and assumptions about the microbial world. Yes. Because um, throughout history, um humans have worked with microbes in order to preserve food. You know, cheese mm. is a way of preserving milk and also for creating kind of amazing flavours, you know, beer, kind of yeah. chocolate, um, bread, all the good things, all, all the good things <laughs> um, really rely on, on microbes. Um, but since, you know, the 19th century, when we kind of first saw microbes under the microscopes and realised that, you know, mm. some of them are, are deadly, I mean, we've had the kind of very sort of antiseptic yeah. attitude yeah um and yet sort of um so lots of the good bacteria get kind of eliminated mm. with the bad um but scientists now are you know are discovering more and more about the importance of the kind of human microbiome the bacteria that's in our gut and our digestive systems and just how important that is to how we function as humans um yeah. both for our physical health but also for our mental health mm. possibly even you know determines aspects of our personalities yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and the statistics are incredible um you know i think we have you know 99 percent similarity um to each other in terms of dna but wow. a kind of huge diversity in our kind of bacterial that's the thing that's flora all different really yes so yeah. the idea so the idea with the cheeses is that each cheese is a microbial portrait of the person who kind of supplied the bacteria um, and who did supply the bacteria um, if we got a mix of well yes so we thought that if you know if these cheeses are portraits and they mm. should be kind of people who who are a bit well known yeah you want to you know you want to know what their cheese looks like <laughs> 
<laughs> so so we've ended up with celebrity cheeses um, um so we have ruby tando from the amazing food writer from the yeah. bake-off um heston blumenthal chef um alex james um who was in the pop bland blur who is now a makes cheese, makes cheese. <laughs> um <laughs> sugs another musician and um, mm. professor green who Amazing. hates cheese um <laughs> is absolutely fascinated in um in kind of gut health um yeah, but yeah said, he's a big foodie isn't he as he well? really yeah. is um but said the only cheese that he really likes is mozzarella so he stipulated that his his cheese had to be a had to be a mozzarella amazing <laughs> so all the cheeses are different they're not or kind of yes yeah, so all, they're all yeah. um, they're all different varieties yeah. um and they were produced um for us by um open cell who is an open um, biology lab yeah. in in shepherd's bush so we had um for a few months we had a vna cheese cave where wow. where all these cheeses were, and were these cheeses maturing. also <laughs> being tasted along the way or <laughs> Um, not so far. Um, mm. We've actually um, sent samples to Imperial College to have them sequenced okay. to find out exactly what what, what is in them. Yeah. Um, and then we'll find out whether Amazing. kind of technically they're yeah. they're safe to eat. And then wow. of course, then then they probably will be. Um, but the only barrier then is psychological. Yes. And True. I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> that's the thing people need to get over. Yeah. <laughs> True. And I think the kind of you know uh, the root of the project is you know the idea that sort of something you know a smell that we associate with food mm-hmm. you know we'll kind of think of as um, delicious as soon as it's associated with the human body. Yeah, <laughs> we have a, a different do, reaction. I do remember I got an email about the exhibition. I was reading about it, and then as soon as I saw something, I said like. Heston Blumenthal's skin into cheese. I was a bit like, hmm, yeah, not quite, not quite sure about this, but yeah, wow, yeah. that's amazing. So it's, it's getting us to kind of um, think more about um, the microbial world and the way yeah. that we interact with it. And I guess when you think about, there's plenty of stuff we eat that some people might think, why on earth are you eating that? And that mm. we think it was completely normal. So yeah, yeah it's about. It's all about, about how we think, isn't it? Really, completely, it's about mindsets, yeah. and habits, and. Absolutely. So obviously you've said this exhibition isn't trying to tell people what the future of food is going to be. It's just Mm -hmm. letting them explore and have a think. But what what do you hope the future might look like? I think um, it's a very optimistic exhibition. Yeah. And it's sort of, it it really demonstrates that there's no lack of incredible ideas Mm -hmm. out there. Um, and I think sort of one theme that runs through through many of them is the sort of idea of greater food democracy. So more people involved in more aspects of um, of the food system. You know, not just seeing food as um, a simply a commodity. And um, so I think that's you know that's what I would hope for the future of food is you know food that's biodiverse, meaningful, and delicious for everybody amazing well thank you so much Catherine and the exhibition obviously it's at the VNA and it's on until 20th of October that's, that's right, right. yes yeah. so, so come, do you come and have down a look. and yeah come and explore and start thinking about the future of food thank you so that was Yola Magazine podcast if you like this episode please head over to iTunes and leave a review we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com you can pick up a copy of our August issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week for a food and drink chat.